0: Well, good morning and welcome to Bridgewater. If I've not gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim, I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you are here this morning. And uh, like Jeff said, we are so thankful. I am so thankful for all the work that you did last Sunday in the community. It was amazing. Like, it was so incredibly fun and amazing, and I think this year we had a 100 more of you come out than last year. We literally ran out of work, and uh, it was so fun to see all the work that you guys did. So thank you. Yeah, you guys, you guys did awesome. I mean, we washed cars. You guys built a ramp. You fixed someone's roof. You worked out in the cemetery. You did yard work for one of our neighbors. We did mailers. Um, Man, you guys, somebody had some uh, some cleaning that needed to be done. So instead of doing it last week, they also did last week. They came back and they cleaned someone's house that needed to be done. And there were so many projects that you guys went and did. And so I am really proud to say I'm your pastor and also incredibly thankful for all the work that you guys did. So thank you. Um, you know, when I was a, a senior in high school, I went to a youth event called Stand- Up Florida and it was in Tampa and it was a massive event or an arena filled with teenagers and and during the event there was a, a two- minute video that was played and it was on mission trips and someone came up and spoke and they challenged us as teenagers to go overseas and be a part of a mission trip and go tell people about Jesus. And me, along with thousands of other teenagers, I raised my hand and was like, yeah, yeah, I'm excited about doing that. And as I raised my hand, I was also nervous. I was also excited. And uh, they gave me some information. I filled it out, turned it in. And then a couple months later, someone from that organization called me. And they said, hey, are you still interested in going on that trip? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I had no idea what I was signing up for. <laughs> and they said, well, well, what kind of trip do you want to do? Like, where do you want to go? And I was like, I have no idea. They're like, well, well, some places are a little more physically challenging, and some places are a little easier. Like, like where do you want to go? I was like, let's go, let's go for the difficult. Let's take the challenge on and said, okay, what about the spiritual condition? Like some places are, lo- are really open to the gospel. They, they just, they, they're they ready to hear it. And people's lives are getting transformed all the time. And then there's some places that are really, really closed off and they're dark and, and nobody has ever heard about Jesus. Where, where do you want to go? I was like, I want to do that. Let's go to the, the challenging place. And like, well, how, how long do you want to go? I was like, I have no idea. Like I'm 18. I don't know anything. <laughs> They're like, well, you can go for a week, two weeks, a month, two months. And I said, I have no idea. They said, well, we found that when people go for about two weeks, they're just kind of getting in their groove, and they came back, and they felt like they, they could have gone a little bit longer. And people who went for two months, they come back, and they're like, yeah, I should have came back a little earlier. It, it was kind of a long trip. I said, let's go, for, let's go for a month. And so they said, well, have you ever heard of the, the 1040 window? I said, I've never heard of the 1040 window. What is the 1040 window? And it's this rectangular geographic area that is 10 degrees north of the equator by 40 degrees north of the equator. And it is two thirds of our population lives here. And 96% of the people that live here have never heard of Jesus. And I said, let's go there. So I went to India for a month talking to people about who Jesus is, sharing the gospel, building relationships. And that was one of the events. It was a watershed moment in my life. It it was a pivotal moment, catalyst for me to decide, okay, I want to serve God for the rest of my life. Maybe not here, maybe not doing this, but I want to continue serving God. And it's interesting because... um, Steve Saint says this. He says, our practice of sending a few highly specialized troops to fight the enemy while leaving the vast majority of Christians out of the spiritual battle is our great omission. If you're not familiar with Steve Saint, his father was Nate Saint, and Nate Saint, Jim Elliott, and a few others went into this tribe of Indians And these men lost their lives for the gospel. And Steve saw his dad brutally murdered by Indians. And Steve and his family and relatives continued to go into that area, continued to build a relationship with those natives and saw people come to Christ. And Steve Saint says, it's the great omission and we would never do this in a military situation. If our country was invaded, attacked, we would never say, hey, let's pick the, the, the best of top five specialists in the country and just send those people to defend our country. We would send every enlisted member. Why is it different when it comes to the spiritual battle? Why is it different with Christianity that we think, well, we're just going to send the the few specialized individuals to go overseas. We're just going to send the pastors and the teachers. No, no, no. It's the great omission if we just say, we're going to let just a few go and tell. This is for all of us. So why is it different? And why is it so important that we all go and share about the gospel. Well, that's what we're gonna talk about. So grab your Bibles and go to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five, while you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of the background. You see, as you look at the whole story of the Bible, the meta-narrative of scripture, of what God is doing and what he is up to, we see that God is a missionary. God is a missionary and he pursues Adam and Eve. He pursues this relationship with Adam and Eve. And he continues to pursue people as he, as he pursues Abraham and he pursues a nation. And he continues to pursue humanity as he sends Jesus because God is a missionary. God sends the son and Jesus, the son, sends the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit sends the church to go out into all of the world because God himself is a missionary and he wants all of us to go out into the world and pursue people because people made in the image of God are so incredibly precious. God is a missionary. He wants to use us. So what does that look like? Romans chapter 5. Why is this so important? Look at verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what he did. That you and I, we were powerless, without strength, without ability, spiritually, morally, paralyzed, unable to do anything. We we didn't have the strength. We didn't have the power to do what? To please God. We were powerless to overcome sin. We were powerless to overcome death. We were powerless to defeat Satan. We were powerless to overcome death and, and hell. We were powerless to save ourselves And because of that, that was our spiritual condition, God sent Jesus, and he died for all of us. And he didn't die for good people, godly people, nice people, okay-ish people, for Democrats or Republicans. He died for imperfect people. For you, for me, for our friends, our family members, our neighbors, our coworkers, our boss, he died for us. Because he's a missionary, because he is passionate about pursuing people. He died for you. and he demonstrated his love. In other words, he, he proved he loved you by sending Jesus. If you walked into a courtroom and you were going to defend someone as a lawyer, you better come with some kind of evidence. And Jesus is providing that evidence. He's demonstrating that evidence by laying down his life on the cross for you, for me. Because you and I, we couldn't do it ourselves. We were powerless. We didn't have the strength. We didn't have the ability. And When we sinned, we needed this perfect sacrifice for your sins, for my sins, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He took our place. Take a look at what Paul says next in verse 9. Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? And so Jesus, here's what happens. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, for my sins. And when you ask Jesus to be the forgiver of your life and the leader of your life, and you you believe that he died on the cross for your sins by faith, he wipes out all of your sin. You start off with this clean slate. And now God looks at you as if you have never sinned ever. It's this word justified, right? Not a word that we use a lot, but that's the idea of the meaning that that you were now made right because of that, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because you were powerless to do it on your own. So he took your place, he took my place, and he did it for us. How? Through his blood. He he literally laid down his life, shed his blood for you. And so now, if you are a follower of Jesus, God simply looks at you and he sees you with the perfect record of Christ. You started off, I started off as his enemy. Far from God. I couldn't do anything to make things right on my own. He had to do it for me. And if you've asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your life, the leader of your life, that's what he did. He did that for you. He transformed your life and he's given you this brand new identity. Your identity and your value isn't based on what others think of you. Your value and your identity is not based on what you do for work, or what you do uh, with your family as a mother, as a father, as a grandfather, that's not your identity, and that's not your value. It's like this, uh, I don't have a lot of money, but I have a dollar. <clears throat> what makes this dollar worth $1? Is it because they used $1 dollar's worth of ink and paper? Mm, not really, is it because they paid a graphic designer $1 to create this? Probably not, right? The creators of this bill, like all of the bills, they decided that the value of this bill is $1. Same with 5 a $20, and $100 bill. The creators decided that this bill is worth the creator of the entire universe decided your value. And he did that by sending Jesus to die on the cross for you. That's what you're worth. What is someone willing to pay? If you have a garage sale and you have an old bicycle you want to sell, it's worth what someone is willing to pay. That's what Jesus did for you. The creator determined that value for you. And so when we, when we take communion, it's simply an aspect of remembering. That's what Jesus did on the cross. So if you have your communion cup, go ahead and grab that right now. These are new. Pretty nice. But this meal reminds us of what redemption is. It simply reminds us that Jesus died on the cross and he paid for your sins and he paid for my sins. And it's us reflecting back on that, that he already paid for it. I wanna let you know that communion is for those who have asked Jesus to be their forgiver of their sins. If you're here and you're not sure if you're a follower of Jesus, Feel free to just sit back, watch, reflect, think. But this is for people who are following Jesus. They've decided to follow him, declare him as their leader of their life and the forgiver of their sins. But as Jesus reflects on what communion is, these elements simply symbolize what happened on the cross. The bread, symbolizes his body and the juice symbolizes the blood that was spilled and shed for your sins and mine. And so I just wanna give you a moment just to think and reflect and examine your life as you think about what Jesus did on that cross. So just take the next 20 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, and just do that. Think, reflect, and pray. At the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is sitting with his disciples. They're having this Passover meal. And this is what happens. This is while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. You can open up this cup, hopefully much easier than the other communion supplies. And they took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take this, eat this. This is my body. Then he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Communion is a beautiful picture of what Jesus did on the cross. For our sins. Because while we were yet powerless, He demonstrated His love for us by dying on that cross. He paid for them. Because God is a missionary pursuing people. Let's go back to Romans 5. He goes on and He explains look at verse 10. He says, for, anytime you see that word for, the the writer is, is usually saying, let me explain something. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. He says, let me explain. You were God's enemy. I was God's enemy because of my sin. There was this barrier between me and God. And when Jesus died on the cross and he offered forgiveness and you said, I want that forgiveness, that relationship was restored. He pursued you. You went from an enemy to a son or an enemy to a daughter. You went from darkness to light. And after this, it radically transformed your life. But notice what he says next in verse 12. He says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man in death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people Because all sin, that phrase death came to all people is like this idea of of a vapor entering into a house and just permeating the entire house, room by room by room. And it enters into all those rooms. Death entered through that front door of Adam and it created this trickle effect entering through all of mankind that all of us have this sin nature and we're spring-loaded to sin. Sin entered the world through one man and through another man came forgiveness. That's the gospel. Death came to all of us. It entered into, but because of Jesus, you can go from guilty to innocent. You can go from enslaved to free from wrath to salvation. He's pursuing you, he has been pursuing you your entire life. So many times we don't even recognize it. Jesus, he's making a difference. Because God is a missionary, because God is pursuing you, we are not just a religious gathering. We are part of a movement. And so God sent the Son, the Son sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit sent the church. Paul went to Rome to plant this church. He raised up leaders to lead this church, to pastor this church. Then he went into another area and he's writing this letter, he's telling them here's the gospel. I can't wait to visit you and share the gospel. And as he's writing this, he keeps on talking about this, this incredible thing salvation and the gospel because it radically transforms our lives. Because of Jesus, we are not just a religious gathering. This is not just the point of what we do. It's it's pretty pretty big deal. It's pretty significant. But what we do here is not the point. It's going into the world. It's going and being a missionary and seeing our culture, our workplaces, our teams, our schools as the mission field to go and tell them about who Jesus is and what he's been doing. We are a part of a gathering, but it's so much bigger. It's a movement. And it's changing people's lives. Last Sunday, we got to do that. We got to go. Maybe you didn't necessarily use your words. Maybe you were picking up trash. Maybe you were swinging a hammer. Maybe you're using a wrench. Maybe you're just using a hose and a sponge. Or your fingers to label mailers. But that was going and being the church. This is something we do something we're a part of. Steve St. goes on and he says, an important ingredient in getting the job done is to encourage and make it possible for every believer to take part. It's especially critical to include indigenous people. That's us, right? Believers in the plan because they know the language and the culture and because Christ told us To in the Great Commission. Not only is it the effective thing to do, but it's the obedient way to do it. Here's the thing I can't walk into your workplace, I can't walk into your office or your school or your neighborhood or your family gathering or your friend group and start sharing the gospel. (laughs) They're like, Who are you? You know the culture. You know the language. You know what resonates with them because you have relationships with them. And so we are called to go and share the gospel. That's why we've got to be inviting people into our own worlds, getting into their worlds, doing cookouts with them, having them over into our houses spending time with them at work, at lunch, for breakfast, at the gym, at the grocery store, talking to people, mixing in with people because God has called us to go and be missionaries in our own sphere of influence. We're called to follow Jesus and we're called to help others to follow him. That's called disciple making. But look at what he says in chapter 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the gospel. Maybe you're here today and you've never done that. You've never asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your life. You've never asked Jesus to be the leader of your life. And you feel absolutely hopeless. Life is dark the light is kind of flickering out, and you have no idea. If you died today, you would have no idea where you would spend eternity. The gospel is so clear. If you declare, if I confess with my mouth, I'm agreeing with the gospel that I need Jesus, agreeing that he is Lord, I'm believing in my heart not just my thinking, but my affections and my choices that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. But it's not just fire insurance. It's not just a a get out of jail free card. Jesus wants to radically transform your life. And he wants to do the same for your friends your neighbors, your coworkers, your boss, your children, your grandchildren, because he is a missionary who is pursuing people. But notice what he says in verse 10. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Following Jesus isn't about changing your behavior. It's not about being a better person. It's not about cleaning up your act. It's about coming to him, acknowledging that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 13 says, for if anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's for all of us, everyone. Here's what that looks like. Imagine you and me and Michael Phelps were out on a boat in the middle of the ocean, right? Somehow we got this guy with us and something goes wrong with the boat. It starts sinking and we're out in the middle of the ocean. Now, I grew up in Florida. I'm a pretty good swimmer. I'm no state champ, certainly no Olympic athlete, but I can swim pretty well. I don't know what your swimming ability is, but I know what mine is. And eventually, I'm gonna run out of energy. I'm only gonna be able to swim so far. I'm only gonna be able to tread water so long. And that's the truth for you. And this guy, Mr. Uh, 23 gold medals, (laughs) eventually, We'll swim further than you and me, but eventually we'll get tired. He'll get dehydrated. He'll get hungry. He will run out of steam too. And I'm sure he can tread water days longer than me, but eventually all by himself in the middle of the ocean, he too will need to be rescued. That's the gospel. You might be a better person, you might be smarter than me, but we are powerless to do it on our own. We need somebody to come and do the work for us. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. Paid for all the sins that you and I couldn't pay for on our own. Verse 14 says this. How then can they call on the name, on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. People are in desperate need of good news. People are in desperate need of the gospel. And God is sending You. He's sending us to go out into the world to build relationships, to invest in people, inviting them into conversations and sharing the gospel. That's what it is. It's incredible that you, He's chosen you to be that missionary. Not necessarily going overseas, you don't need a passport but you do need passport into people's lives. And that's by building relationships. It's investing in them. Simply spending time with them, talking with them, having conversations over coffee, over breakfast, over a meal. Play golf with them. But do it with a missional focus. I want to invest in you because we are like the conduit and we are called to make a difference here and now because of Jesus, you and me, we are all called to make a difference right now. So living out the mission, all of that intersects with your work. Jesus wants to know, what does it look like to, to honor him as an accountant? What does it look like to honor him as a plumber? What does it look like to honor him as a truck driver? What does it look like to honor Jesus as a mom, as a dad? What does it look like to honor Jesus as an uncle? What does it look like to honor Jesus as someone who's a teacher? All of that is mission work. In the schools, in your office, in your homes, with your kids, with your grandkids, you're called to make a difference right now not when you're ready, not when you're older, not with a degree, right now. So let me leave you with this last question. Is your life centered around the difference that Jesus makes? Is it? And what does that look like? Well, let me leave you with some application. One, we need to prioritize the mission over our own preferences, the mission of going and making disciples, the mission of making more and better disciples over what we want. You're gonna get really sick of me saying this one day. Commit to coming early, parking far, sitting close. Why? Why? Why why come early, Tim? I mean, nine o'clock, isn't that early enough? I want us to come early so that when guests come and it's their first Sunday or their first Sunday in five years, you're here going, hey, I can't remember if I've met you. Remind me of your name. You're here, you're ready. And you've parked far so that the best parking spots are right up front. And you've sat up front here in the front row so that when they show up and they check their kids and the music's already going the lights are already down and Reed is trying to share where they can sit. He's not walking them all the way up here. They're scared out of their mind thinking, I'm going to sit on stage. (laughs) We filled up this room from the front to the back so they can walk in and go, I'm just going to slide into the back seat and just hang out. Stay late. Engage with them. And last, pray, invest, invite. We have some new Pray, Invest, Invite cards. They're back at the Welcome Center, and they're not glossy. You can write on them with any type of writing utensil, pen, pencil, whatever, right? On your way out, grab one of those cards and commit to praying for one person every single day. Someone who's far from God that needs Christ. Let me pray with you. God, you are a missionary and you've called us to go out into the world and talk to people about the gospel. You've pursued us. You're pursuing our friends, our family members, people who are far from you all over the globe. I just ask that you would do a great work. Let us be your hands and feet Give us words to say, give us courage and boldness to go to school, to go to the office tomorrow, to go into our neighborhoods, to go to our friends and continue developing those relationships. And in the very right moment, you would give us wisdom on what to say, what to ask. And I ask that you would, you would radically transform Broome County. People would, would come to know you every single day It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. You guys stand with us in response this morning. This is a new song.